What's going on, everyone? Welcome into the newest episode of Going Long. I'm your host, Zach Neal. Man, there is a lot to talk about today with the uh, with the transfer portal opening up on Saturday. Players moving about. The Ducks are looking at bringing in some new guys. You also had Oregon's first spring scrimmage on Saturday. Their first, uh, it's not the spring game, obviously, but you know, their first inter-team scrimmage on Saturday took place in the Stadium. So we've got some major takeaways from that. We've also got a little bit of basketball news, a little bit of recruiting news to cover. Between those three or four things, there was a ton to talk about. So I'm not going to waste any more time in this intro. Thank you for tuning in. Let's get into it. All right, the first thing I want to talk about today is the uh, the spring scrimmage that took place on Saturday afternoon for uh, for Dan Lanning and the Ducks. They went inside Autzen Stadium for the first time this spring. They had a few fans in the stadium. I think they had kids sports out to watch, which was a, just a cool, you know, community outreach thing that Dan has continued to do. This is the second year that he's done that. But uh, so they went. Uh, it wasn't a normal practice format. It was their spring scrimmage. They went uh, offense against defense. They went through quarters. They kept score up on the scoreboard. So um, media was unable to watch uh, once again this year. But I did get a chance to talk to a few people in attendance. Um, just got a little bit of you know their opinions of what they saw, some of the big plays, some of the storylines that came out. So. If you want a full breakdown of kind of what went on on Saturday, I've got a piece up on Ducks Wire that are some of my my major takeaways from that day and kind of kind of what was seen at that practice and that scrimmage. But uh, for this for the podcast, I'm going to touch on the three most important things that um, I think have come out of that scrimmage and kind of developed into storylines since Saturday. So the first one is that I think that Oregon. It sounds like Oregon's defense looks a lot better than what we saw from them last year. I think that it's safe to say for for any Oregon fan that uh, the defense underperformed last year. I don't think that that's that's too harsh to say. They by any metric were not very good. Um, I know they they held their own in the Pac-12. They weren't one of the worst defenses in the Pac-12, but I think that you know overall Pac-12 defenses weren't amazing last year. And you look nationally at Oregon's uh, you know their numbers, their rankings. They they weren't stellar, so they had a lot of room to improve. Early on, it seems like they're doing so. Um, I know we haven't seen a ton. I personally haven't seen a ton at practice. We don't get to see that much. We saw a little bit of 11 on 11 last week, but, you know, not a ton, not to where we can have any overarching theme or make any any strong statements about how that team looks or how that unit looks. But coming out of the scrimmage, it sounds like the defense did really well. And a couple people told me that, you know, one of the – the biggest takeaways is the offense didn't look great. The offense wasn't really, you know, lighting up the scoreboard or putting it on them, but they didn't think that that was because the offense struggled in any way. It was more so that the defense was actually, you know, holding them down and the defense was kind of really competing and holding their own, which I think the, a lot of that has to do with it being the second year in the program or in the, in the scheme for Dan Lanning and Tosh Lapoy. These coaches are understanding, or these players, I should say, are understanding what that system is meant to do and what these coaches want out of them. So um, I think that's one thing that, you know, we really will start to see, hopefully in the spring game, if they show us much at all. I'm not sure that they will, but we'll see that once the season starts and once, you know, kind of as these next few months go along, that 
these defensive players feel more comfortable and they feel more confident in what they're supposed to do. One thing I asked Dan about after the scrimmage when we interviewed him, I asked him how the the communication was in the secondary because you've got so many people, you know, so many new faces in that secondary. You lost some really big contributing players like Christian Gonzalez, Bennett Williams. Those are some of the biggest leaders in that secondary. And you've got new guys, new transfers in, young guys stepping up, uh, young players coming in. So um, I wanted to hear what the communication was like with them because that's such a big piece of of a defensive secondary is being on the same page with everyone and making sure everyone uh, knows what coverage they're doing, knows where they're supposed to be, knows their alignments. Uh, Dan said that you know for the most part he was pretty impressed. He thinks that there's still some clean some things to clean up. Obviously, um, apparently they let up a, a big touchdown from Ty Thompson to Treshawn Holden. Um, maybe a couple of coverage miscues, but for the most part that they were pretty clean and they, they did a pretty good job of, like I said earlier, holding the offense in check. So um, there were some players from what I hear moving around in that secondary quite a bit, which that goes along with the theme of what we heard from, from Lanning and other coaches all spring is that they're really trying to get players into new positions and cross train them a little bit and making sure they're versatile and making sure they can, <clears throat> excuse me, making sure they can play multiple positions. So um, I was told that uh, redshirt freshman Kamari Terrell played really well, had a couple of pass breakups. Jaleel Florence, cornerback, again, played really well. Jaleel was actually playing a little bit in the uh, in the nickel, I'm told, um, and, and Kamari was moving around in the nickel as well. And then Dante Manning was the guy that was uh, highlighted to me as having a couple of big plays, a couple of good plays against uh, Troy Franklin as well. So I know that that's a name that Oregon fans, you know, they're waiting to hear more from him. He's the he's a former five-star cornerback, and he hasn't really done too much in his career at Oregon as of yet. So um, I know myself and a lot of fans are kind of waiting for waiting for him to step up and be the the elite cornerback that we know that he can be. All in all, I think that you know the the word on the defense is that so far it looks good. It looks like people are. I mean. I don't think you have to question buy-in at any point in the spring, especially because people are so eager to get out and play football. But um, I think the the comprehension, I believe, is there. I think they're really starting to understand this defense. Year two in the scheme, like I said, it's really, it's really, really important for guys to step up and just get to get more knowledgeable, to get smarter about what they're trying to run. And um, a lot of players that we've talked to have said that, yeah, you know, it's it's really starting to click. They're really starting to get it, which coming out of spring ball, that's kind of all you can ask for at this point. One of the other things that I want to talk about is I've got written down new wide receivers are making plays. Uh, it was told to me that both Treshawn Holden and Tez Johnson really, really looked good in that scrimmage. I already mentioned that Treshawn had a deep touchdown pass from Ty Thompson. Um, I'm told that Thompson, you know, got him the ball in open space and kind of led him to where he could do some stuff after the catch and, and actually get into the end zone and make a big play. And then Tez Johnson, I've talked about him a lot on this podcast. I, he keeps being brought up when I talk to people in the organization, obviously people that watch this scrimmage, he continues to impress and his skill set is something that Oregon did not have before he came. He's a, a smaller guy, but he's incredibly quick, incredibly dynamic with the ball in his hand. Um, one interesting thing is that apparently Tez and Chris Hudson are still playing together with the the number one unit. At least they were on Saturday. Like I mentioned, when we saw 11 on 11 last week, they were actually playing together with the, the first group as well. We were told that that was not a first team offense. 
Uh, we are too early in the year to, you know, be saying first team, second team, third team. But, you know, the first offensive group that was on the field out there with Bo Nix and some of the other, you know, a lot of the guys on the offensive line that you expect to be starters. Uh, it was both Tez and Chris out there with Troy Franklin. So that's a little bit interesting. You think that they both kind of play a similar spot, um, a similar role in that slot receiver, but uh, if Will Stein wants them both out there and he thinks that they can contribute and kind of work off each other really well, uh, I who am I to tell him he's wrong? I mean, I, I will be very interested to see in the spring game if that's what we see more of. And once we get into fall camp, if if we continue to see them still running in the same unit. and Because um, I thought it would have been either Tez or Chris, along with Troy, along with Treshawn as your starting wide receivers. So far, it's been Treshawn working in the second group, and you know maybe he needs to grow a little bit. Maybe he, I don't, I don't know. The coaches are just kind of grouping players where they think fits best and trying to see where they can get the best fits. So um, at this point, it's been Tez, Chris, and Troy uh, with the first group. Treshawn with the second. We'll see how that changes going forward. I asked about some of the younger guys, some of the younger wide receivers, if any of them stepped up um, and showed some flashes. I was told that Kyler Casper looked pretty good. He had a, a couple drops early on, I'm, I'm told, but actually looked really good in one of the red zone areas. They're one of, one of the little two-minute drives that they're trying to get into field goal position. So um, I think he, his name keeps coming up as someone who's making that step into a – I'm not going to say he's going to be one of – Oregon's lead receivers this year, but I think he's going to be a contributor. He's going to be someone that could come in and give you, you know, a, a couple dozen catches on the year, maybe, and be a, a really solid player. And in going into next year, someone that you really lean on as one of your main, main wide receivers going forward. Again, one of my biggest takeaways after last week, when we got to watch the 11 on 11 in practice is that wide receiver depth is a bit of a concern for this team. I'm not going to say it's a, a major issue, but it's something that I think they could stand to address a little bit via the transfer portal. I mean, you've got your four guys that you feel really confident um, that you can go to and get production in Troy Franklin, uh, Chris Hudson, Tez Johnson, Treshawn Holden. Outside of them, you don't exactly know what you have. Like I mentioned, Kyler Casper, You've got a couple of, of walk-on guys, non-scholarship guys. You've got a young guy in Ashton Cozart. But over this summer, you're going to need to bring in more pieces there. Obviously, you've got a five-star jury on Dickey coming in, but it may be a little bit unfair to expect a true freshman who wasn't here in spring ball and who did not get a jump on the season to come in and contribute right away. I think he could be a really nice piece. I don't think that he's going to be a, a non-factor this season. I think he might play a little bit, but... I don't know that you can say, oh, Oregon doesn't have a depth problem. They've got a, a five-star coming in this summer. I don't know that that really factors in that much. One guy that we all need to really pay attention to, and I think that probably could end up being a duck, is USC transfer Gary Bryant. He's a wide receiver, one of the top-rated uh, transfers in the portal right now. He announced his commitment date today. Uh, he set it for May 13th, where he will decide between Oregon, Arizona, UCLA, Texas A&M, and Miami. Uh, there are predictions out there, multiple predictions out here, out there for him to end up uh, committing to the Ducks. He visited Oregon in March, uh, was said to have loved the visit. He's got a really good relationship with uh, Bo Nix, really good relationship with Junior Adams, likes where he fits in the offense. He's kind of been sold on you know his role as a, a instant impact player if he comes to Oregon. So, 
I think it it's likely that he will probably end end up committing with Oregon. Um, I think that that goes to help your depth problem quite a bit. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if if Oregon makes any moves at the the wide receiver position. We're going to talk about tight ends and transfers and and roster spots coming up, but. You know, wide receiver is a spot where I wouldn't be completely surprised if they added one or two more players with one of those being Gary Bryant. One more thing from the scrimmage before we get on to some transfer portal news and discussion. Uh, a little bit less positive, a little bit more of the negative note, but I was told some interesting things about the backup quarterbacks for Oregon. Um, you know, I, I know I was on this pod last week talking about the good things that we've heard about Ty Thompson and, you know, the positives that he's really gaining some momentum in the system, learning control of the offense and really kind of coming into his own as a quarterback and would be a really solid backup quarterback option. I'm told at the scrimmage, you know, he's still, he still struggled a little bit with one thing that's been ailing him his entire career at Oregon. And that's accuracy. Uh, I mean, he can have all the arm strength in the world. He can know the offenses as well as anyone, but I think that accuracy might be something that, I don't know, it just still, still kind of his bugaboo. It's still something that he tends to put the ball in harm's way. And uh, I don't know. There was I was told that there were, well, Lanning told us after the scrimmage, I should say, that there were no interceptions and that the offense did a pretty good job of holding onto the ball and not having any turnovers. I was told by people that watched the scrimmage that, you know, Ty Thompson, while he did have that long touchdown to Treshawn Holden, he had a couple of balls that could have easily been pick sixes and probably should have been pick sixes. And uh, the defense just it didn't end up converting that. So um, it's, you know, that's not the the best thing you want to hear. I'm not saying that Ty Thompson has no future with the Ducks and this isn't something that you can overcome. But when you're a third year in the system and you're, you know, you're growing as a quarterback, like I said, you know, you've got all the arm strength. You can you can have a great understanding of the offense, but if you can't put the ball where it needs to be and you can't be accurate with it and you keep kind of putting the ball in harm's way, that's you know, that's one of the, the very few things you really can't do as a quarterback. So um, that's something that Ty's gonna definitely need to clean up this year if Oregon fans are gonna have and Oregon, you know, coaching staff is gonna have a lot of confidence with him going forward into twenty twenty four where it's really possible that he could be, you know, that starting quarterback for the Ducks, but he's got to clean some things up if he's going to do that. The other backup quarterback, Austin Novosad, true freshman. Um, I'm just kind of told that not not a ton jumps out about him at this point, and that's that's understandable. I mean, he's he's incredibly young. He's I think he's an 18 years old. Uh, still has a lot a lot of growing to do coming out of high school, but. Uh, it feels like, you know, there's there's kind of a long way before he's going to be ready to play, you know, Power 5, Division 1 college football and be a really impactful player at that point. It kind of feels more more Jay Butterfield-esque than he does Justin Herbert-esque, where Herbert came in and, and it was good right away. Jay Butterfield came in, he, you know, sat for a couple of years and still wasn't really, wasn't quite ready to take over for the Ducks, so... Um, all of this, you know, throws that 2024 QB picture up in the air. We don't really know exactly what we have, but again, remember this is the first scrimmage in spring. It's April 17th, as I say all of this. So there's so much room to grow, so much time for these guys to, you know, get better and and hone in on their craft and and continue to improve. So I am by no means, you know, turning on the the red caution light and saying we've got a real problem. I just think that it's it's interesting that 
from the coaching staff, we've heard in, in Ty Thompson's case, especially we've heard great things this year. And we've really heard that he's, you know, getting command of the offense and, and stepping into that player that we all thought he could be. But, you know, you, you talk to some people who are not on the coaching staff and they say, all right, there's, there's still a lot of room to grow and accuracy is still an issue. So going forward, that's something that I'm still going to continue to watch um, as, as everyone should, because it's, it's got a big ramification on, on Oregon's future. And, um, I know I think that all Oregon fans are rooting for Ty Thompson. He's been with the program for so long that you really want him to succeed. You want him to be that guy. But from what I hear, he's still got some work to do. All right, let's take a quick break, and I'm going to come back with some transfer portal topics, transfer portal news, and uh, there's a whole lot to get in there. So take a quick break. We'll be right back. All right, let's get into the transfer portal. There is obviously a ton to talk about on this subject. So for those who don't know, the transfer portal officially opened back up on Saturday, April 15th. It will stay open for the next two weeks until I believe on April 30th, which is coincidentally the day after Oregon's spring game. So um, over the next couple weeks, and if you're paying attention, you've already seen a ton of it, but players are entering the portal and they're committing to new places. And uh, there's, there's already been a lot of movement for Oregon on this front. On Saturday afternoon, I think that <laughs> Oregon fans, if they didn't know the portal was open, they learned qu- pretty quickly because Keith Brown, inside linebacker, uh, I think he shocked a lot of people by announcing that he was entering the portal. Um, this was uh, this one; it was really surprising to me. I I was not expecting this one at all. He is a, an Oregon kid. Um, you know he he grew up in Oregon. He's been a lifelong Duck fan. He told us and. Um, it, it felt like he really had a path to, to, if not starting this year, at least getting a lot more playing time, um, a lot more time than he, he did in the past. And what's really the most interesting thing about this is that we talked to Keith Brown on Thursday after practice, and he talked a lot about, you know, his love for Oregon and his desire to be a duck and how, you know, playing at Oregon kind of meant more to him because he grew up here and because, you know, he was talked about, he was asked about, you know, how long it had taken for him to getting a starting spot, you know, what that meant to him. He's like, he kind of said that, you know, it, it, it's okay. I, I am willing to wait for my starting spot and earn it um, because, you know, I, I just love playing here. So uh, I'm going to play that his audio clip real quick for you. I could have easily been like a portal guy, stuff like that, but I want, I'm a, I'm a duck. You know, I've been, I've been here for three years now. I'm from Oregon. So it, it kind of means more to me, you know. I want to I want to play for this team. I want to be a duck, stuff like that. So I wasn't worried about how long it how long it was going to take. I just knew at some point I'd earn my spot. So with that being said, from Keith, I mean you you kind of have to start to wonder about the reasoning. Uh, like I mentioned, Keith Brown, not the only Oregon player to enter the portal on Saturday. You also had redshirt freshman Jaleel Tucker, cornerback, and then veteran defensive lineman Trevin Maai into the portal. Those two are not, you know. With all due respect, those two are not as as big of a deal, as shocking as as the Keith Brown. Um, but what what it does make you question is, you know, why did those three enter, you know, within an hour of each other after Oregon's scrimmage on Saturday? I know I asked Dan after the scrimmage if, you know, if he left with a better sense of uh starters or second teamers to put it to put it straightforward i mean if he had any any better feel for a depth chart and he said you know at this point no there's too many moving pieces we don't really know who we want where which guys we want with which other guys so um you know 
to the media, he said no. But I would not be surprised if internally, you know, these players were, they had a meeting with coaches and the coaches kind of laid out, hey, these guys are the number ones. These are the number twos. These are the number threes. And they kind of got a sense for where they are on that depth chart. And, you know, maybe Keith Brown, Tucker, Trevin, maybe they looked at where they were on that depth chart and they said, you know what? I think that I've got a better better path to playing time elsewhere. And I'm going to take an opportunity to go find a different school, somewhere where I can get more playing time and, and find a better situation for myself. And like we always say, you know, if that's the situation, more power to you. This is their, you know, you only get one shot at college football. And you, if you want to play, you want to play and you got to go, you got to do what's best for you and, and follow your heart and go where you're, where you're desired and where you want to play and where you're going to play. So one other thing that I've seen, you know, a lot of people speculate for Keith Brown, at least is, could there be some NIL potentially involved here? Could there be that, you know, some other school in the nation reached out to Keith Brown and said, Hey, we need a starting linebacker. We need a really talented linebacker. Someone's going to produce for us here's X amount of dollars come over into the transfer portal and come to us. Um, I, you know, I'm not saying that's true at all. I have no idea. I, that's, that's all speculation, but you know, it's fair to wonder. It was interesting that after the announcement came that Brown was leaving a bunch of Oregon players took to Twitter, took to social media and were kind of wishing him luck. Ty Thompson said, you know, go get that money. Um, was he talking figuratively? Was he being serious and say, hey, I, I know you got some some big NIL offers. Go get that money. Uh, I don't know. It's interesting, at least. Um, I don't I don't think in today's day and age that it's unfair to speculate that that could be part of this. Um, if that is it, it's, you know, for Oregon fans, a bit unfortunate because, you know, you like to hold on to your guys, especially when they're Oregon boys. You know, they grew up in Oregon. So, um, I know that a lot of people had high hopes for Keith Brown. Um, Dan was just talking about him on Saturday saying what a, what a good player he was turning into his kind of ceiling at Oregon was rising. It's interesting. It's uh, it's definitely one that's a little bit interesting. So what does this mean for the ducks in the grand scheme of things? What does losing Brown Tucker and, and Trevin mean for the ducks? Like I said, in the case of Trevin and Jaleel, I don't think respectfully, I don't think it's the biggest deal. I think that you would love to keep them on the roster and hopefully develop them more so in, in Jaleel's case than in Trevin's case. But Jaleel was a high end four star recruit last year, came in with Jaleel Florence. Uh, he, you know, he was supposed to be a pretty good player. Obviously he didn't have a chance to, to play it all last year, redshirted. And maybe he, he saw not a great path to playing time this year either. Um, but that's, that's okay. I don't think that, I think Oregon was probably trying to get them to stay, but they weren't staying up into the late hours trying to convince them to stay. Um, I think that they're relatively okay with those roster spots opening up. In the case of Keith Brown, I think it definitely hurts. He may not have been a starter this year, but he definitely would have been a contributor. And he was also a contributor at a spot where Oregon doesn't have a ton of depth. We've talked about linebacker a lot this year. You've got maybe you know, three or four guys you feel really confident in feel really comfortable with them contributing and starting potentially. But after losing someone like Noah Sewell, after losing Justin Flo, I know he's a, he's a different story, but uh, there was, there was a lot of attrition at that position this year. And I think that, you know, losing one of the guys that you expected to be in the hunt for a starting spot, it's, it comes as a bit of a shock. So uh, I think that linebacker is probably somewhere where Oregon really looks to, to fill that need in the transfer portal this year. 
um, at least in the next few weeks going forward. So we'll talk about more of that, more about that in a second. But but so now you look at you know the the roster limits and the the scholarship spots. So like we've said before, you know teams, college teams have eighty five scholarships to give. Uh, it's just it's a hard set number. You can't go over that. Right now, the Ducks have 88 scholarship players on the team. Obviously, they've got until right before the season to cut that down to 85. Um, but I, I think that there's there's going to be more players to enter the portal from Oregon, and there's probably going to be more players to come in, too. Like we said, you've got Gary Bryant, the wide receiver transfer from USC. You've got um, Oregon extended an offer to Wyoming offensive lineman Emmanuel Pregnon. They extended an offer to North Texas tight end Varkis Gums. Uh, like I said, you've got a need a linebacker. You've got a need a big need at tight end. Um, it's it's going to be interesting because there's more guys to come. Oregon's going to add at least a few players, I believe, from the transfer portal. I would say I wouldn't be shocked if they add three or four, which means you know on top of three, you already need to cut down maybe three or four more. So there could be another you know six or seven guys on this roster currently but into the portal over the next couple of weeks. So um, I think that it's going to, you know, fans are going to have to be smart when listening and, and watching as this news comes out that, you know, while not every transfer is good, I mean, the Keith Brown one hurt most of these, you know, it's just kind of part of the game and you need some of these guys to leave as tough as it is to say, that's just, that's just kind of how the game goes now. So um, over the next few weeks, I wouldn't be surprised if more come and there's, there's going to be some news about guys coming in too. So it's a little bit of give and take there. All right, let's take one last quick break, and then we're going to talk about a little bit of basketball news and then get out of here. All right, last thing before we get out of here, uh, Dana Allman and the Ducks got some really good news today. They found out that Infali Dante is going to be back for the 2023 season. Uh, that's awesome. I mean, I you know, there's been not a lot of action in the transfer portal for Altman and the Ducks, but this is our... I mean, this is absolutely the best news that you could have gotten this offseason. Uh, and Folly Dante was hands down the best player for the team last year, averaging over 13 points, 18 boards per game, the best season of his career. And he's now, I mean, I feel safe to say that he's the best player coming back next year on that on that roster. So um, it's it's been cool to see over the last couple of weeks, the roster's really starting to take shape. Uh, so far, guys that we are certain have said they will be here next year, either returning or incoming recruits or transfers. You've gotten Folly Dante, Nate Biddle, Jermaine Kuznard, Kwame Evans, five-star recruit, uh, Mookie Cook, five-star recruit, Jackson Shellstad, four-star recruit, and Jadrian Tracy, a, uh, a Juco transfer. So you also have Keyshawn Bartholomew, who has not said publicly whether he is coming back or not. He said that he's weighing his options between either going professional and playing overseas somewhere or coming back to Oregon. There's a pretty good feeling that he ends up coming back to Oregon, although it's not confirmed yet. And then you've got guys like Quincy Garrier and Brennan Rigsby still up in the air. Uh, it feels like there's a really good chance that most of them come back. So uh, you've also got transfer Northern Colorado transfer Dalton connect. You've got Georgia transfer Cario Oquindo. Both of them have been on campus for official visits in the past couple of weeks and are heavily considering the ducks. Uh, if Bartholomew, Garrier, and Rigsby all return, that leaves two scholarships for Oregon to give. If you get those two transfers, connect in Oquindo, I think you are in a great spot. If not, then you adapt and you find other targets. <clears throat> there is a possibility, of course, that 
Dana Altman chooses to leave a roster spot open in hopes that, you know, you land Bronny James or or you keep it open in case there's another transfer down the road that you want to be able to to go get and be flexible with. But uh, that's not something that we can know at the time. But I think that at the at the top of things, getting in Folly Dante back and getting Biddle back and getting Kusnard back and, and getting those three recruits in, uh, a couple of really nice transfers, maybe more returns from last year. It looks like the Ducks are shaping up to have a, a pretty nice roster. I think that, um, you know, the past couple of seasons have been a little bit frustrating, but uh, Dane Allman's still trying hard. He's still coaching his butt off. He's still trying really hard to build this roster. And, uh, you know, from from the names I just read, I'm I'm encouraged by what they have. We'll see that if they can all buy together and, and buy in and, and kind of get this thing rolling back to what we're used to Oregon basketball looking like. But uh, it's it's at least encouraging to see at this point. All right, that's going to do it for us today. We will be back uh, next week. So it, not this Saturday, but next Saturday is the Oregon spring game. So we'll be back next week and we'll be previewing the spring game and, and seeing what we're, uh, what we're looking forward to and what we're expecting to see. I'm sure that that will be a fun one. And then we'll be back on right after the spring game as well to kind of give a, an instant reaction, a wrap up. Thank you guys for listening and following along. If you want to check out more of my work, you can find it all at duckswire.usatoday.com. Follow me at Zachary C. Neal on Twitter. We will talk to you guys next week. Until then, take it easy.